some good critical thinking for everyone! <laughs> wow. Ooh, wow. Wow. Post-pandemic edition. Yeah, you can you can hear that uh, my COVID has cleared right up. Yeah. 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 I can hold that, hold that note. Very impressive, Dr. Brian Barnett. Well, thanks. That's what we're doing, Dr. Patty Payette. Impressing the people. Welcome to everyone listening. We hope you're impressed by our welcome. I think it would be hard not to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If and you are, that's that was by design. Yeah. And we hope the rest of the show is equally fun and full of learning. I think it's... I think it's geared toward both of those things. I think we have both a, a fun and learning-filled show. Yeah, as we yeah. sip on our coffee, you all might be Action hearing. Action-packed. You might be hearing us sip our coffee. <laughs> oh, my God. I said sip, not slurp. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That was aeration. Can you all guess who the troublemaker is among in this pair? They can't because she keeps it to herself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, Hidden I am so excited about this new show. This this one today? Yeah. I mean, you've been talking about it for months. I know. because Well, I've been talking about it for months because, to be honest, I was at the bookstore. I got uh-huh. excited when I saw this. I texted you. You got excited about it. And then I for- probably bought the book, forgot, or bought the game, forgot about it. See, yeah. I, I and mean, then it I re- am, resurfaced. It reemerged, and it has it has stoked your learning to, for today. I know. I'm so excited. The name of the game. Petty Stoked. Well, I should say the name of the game is Critical Thinking. That is the name of our game. We should let you know that we're here to play a game today. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We are here every week to talk about critical thinking. It's and for all everyone. It's guises. It's for everyone. So we We like to unpack it. We like to yep. tweak it. We like yep. to tickle it. We oh. like to explore it. Patty, we like Patty to... tickles it. <laughs> it's not really mine. Yeah. Yeah, and um, occasionally we bring a game to the show that, that gets people thinking, gets us thinking. Yeah. I mean, all the world's a stage, but sometimes we can be a little more precise. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is called The Thinker Game. I don't mm-hmm. have my reading glasses, but Brian, you can... It's look who the name of the company is. The School of Life. Never heard of that. I've heard of them. Why don't you read the instru- the um, what am I trying to say? Read the description on the back of the. All right. Card this before. is this is what would get someone to buy the game. Yeah. Well, at least a nerd like me. There you go. I think, therefore, I am. <laughs> this Guess Who game features fifty-two great thinkers drawn from the School of Life's curriculum, from Da Vinci to Freud. Machiavelli to Wolf, players take on the personas of leading figures from the worlds of anthropology, architecture, art, design, literature, philosophy, 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 <laughs> my favorite, yeah, <laughs> nice, political theory, psychology, yeah. science, and sociology. Whoa. Your opponent tries to guess who you are by asking yes-no questions or, if stumped, by requesting hints. A brilliant way for players of all ages to learn interesting facts about humanity's brightest minds. Drinking rules optional. See inside. Where are the drinking rules? Let's see. Can you do it? <laughs> no, there's no drinking rules. No drinking rules. rules. Okay, right. so here You can drink with it at home, but we don't want to encourage anyone to do anything dangerous. Yeah. Feel free if you want Drink to. coffee like we are. If you, or coffee. Yeah. No. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Here's how I'm going to stack the deck, so to speak, in our favor. All right. When you – I've divided the cards into two piles. We each have one. So when you – 
pull it out, I'm going to look through and I'm going to think about which one of these do I think Brian, if I could sort of begin to describe, could guess. Because you know there's some, oh, these are some really interesting ones as I'm looking through here. They're not quite as... So we're supposed to try to help one another. Well, like, what what, here's what you're going to do. So all let right. me model. So I'm going to pick one. And, okay, I think, I, 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 all right, and this one is suitable for you. Okay. Okay, ready? All right. Okay. The And I'm going to give you some hints, and you try to guess. And then we're going to talk about this person as a way to kind of be fodder for the show. Okay. okay? Yeah. And, and whether we let's see what you and I think of the description of this person. Like based on the on the card game, you and I might be able to say, well, is that really true about that person? It's just one paragraph, I think, for yeah, every person. It is. So not it everything is. will I be got, covered. I got to hold it way out here because I forgot. My glasses. <laughs> Do you need to go with your okay, glasses? So I'm going to start with a quote. This is a per, a quote by this person. All right. Okay. And so it's like I'm going to start with the more obscure things until okay. I get to the more obvious. And people ones. people can play along they at can home. Play along at home. Yeah. Okay, sure. Ready? Mm-hmm. Here's the quote: right. A man wrapped up in himself makes a very small parcel. <laughs> Any does that give you uh, a man wrapped up in himself makes a very small parcel. Yes. I mean, gosh, I can't even imagine so many people might have said such a thing. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know yet. His, he's English. Okay. Okay. Political theory. Okay. This is his background. Okay. Um, the major uh, keywords. All right, ready? Drawing yeah. Venice architecture. Okay, so I mean, is it Da Vinci? No, that Drawing is a good Venice guess. Though. That's a really good guess. Okay. Major works: the seven lamps oh, of architecture. Seven lamps of architecture. I'm afraid I am not. The stones of well Venice. Known. No, no. And no. Okay, he devoted his life to trying to make the world more beautiful. It doesn't sound political at first, but in fact, beauty is often lacking for political reasons. Lack of funding, destruction of nature, inequality, and greed. Saw ugly architecture as immoral. Wanted English cities to be as pretty as Venice. Huh. Who is jo- that? John Ruskin. John Ruskin. I thought he was a philosopher. So I maybe he was I a philosopher of architecture. I led you wrong. Sounds on like that sounds one. like he was a he was a John philosopher Ruskin. of civics. He, he was an interesting. He wasn't. He was a Victorian. I did know that, but I didn't realize he was so. Uh, the design piece. I didn't mm. realize. I knew he was a thinker. Okay. So. Well, okay. this is the kind of stuff we're going to do all day, folks. So, oh, all right. Yeah, we all hope right. that you end up thinking Give about me an some easier thinkers. one than that. Okay. Is that what we're doing though? Give we're me we're, an easier we're helping one. people thinking about think about thinkers. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just doing this because we're bored. No. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay, I'm ready for you. Okay. An anthropologist. Okay. Um, wrote. Sex and temperament in three primitive societies. Now, you wouldn't know that part, I'm sure. She yeah. first studied sexual norms in the South Pacific. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. On the tip of my tongue. Uh, Lily King wrote a novel based on her life. Mead. Margaret yeah, Mead. Yeah, Margaret Mead. Yeah. Hey, look at you. Woo, look at me I go. I thought you'd get some Margaret Mead. Yeah, when you said the South South Pacific. Yep. Yeah, she said human nature is potentially aggressive and destructive and potentially orderly and constructive. Wow. Can I tell you something I learned about her? What would you learn? 
she went a long way to actually creating the discipline. I do know that. Like, did yeah. you? Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. I want to recommend a book. Lily King, the the novelist, wrote mm. a novel based. It's again, it's not like trying to take Margaret Mead's life and fictionalize it. It was just like she wrote a novel about a love triangle mm. among scientists and then later I found out after I read the book it was based on Margaret Mead's oh my goodness, life love, tri- love triangles yes. on critical thinking for everyone I know Ooh, I know how spicy. okay ready spicy. ready we're ready okay Margaret Mead okay. no we already did Margaret Mead yeah yeah <laughs> okay um okay quote okay here's your person okay it is better to be feared than loved if you cannot be both. Oh, it's Machiavelli all yes, day Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Niccolo Machiavelli, he's Italian, political yeah. theorist. Yeah. Major works include? The Prince. Yes, and yeah. the Discourses. The Discourses. Now, what I think of him, when I think his of his name, I yeah. think of him like uh, the ends justify the means, that whole way of thinking. I mean – the thing is that you know he's he's most famous for his work in the prince where he was saying that if a person had a prince's level of power yeah they should operate this way if they want to be politically expedient he wasn't actually saying that this is what someone should do he was saying if these are your goals this would be the easiest way wow. for someone with your level of power to do it. Now, why was he considered so – okay, so it was 1469 to 1527. Why – like why – what was – why is he – known so like what gave him such notoriety his ideas what gave him such notoriety yeah. i mean i i'm i i guess it was because of you know the way that his um political ideas had impact i mean i can't off the top of my head why him as opposed to maybe somebody else i don't i don't know that i know um, well. i did study some machiavelli once but i can't remember why Machiavelli – because my – you know, Machiavelli ended up I think with some kind of a a small position in government, maybe even a big position in government. But for a long time, he didn't have a position in government. He was writing letters like the thing that turned into his – you know, the prince um, work. He was writing letters like that to a lot of people in order to give political advice so he'd get a job. Well, let me read this little description because I think you're. I think this might fill in some oh. of the things you're saying. All right, all right. A byword for political machinations. Hmm. His writings were designed to advise the Medici dukes on Medici, yeah, Medici, Medici yeah. dukes mm-hmm. on how to be effective rulers. It wasn't that he didn't believe in right and wrong, but he believed that the highest good was the survival of the. Effective and strong state. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. Interesting. Yeah, Karl Rove maybe is a little got his sure. uh, read the prince. Maybe. Sure. I mean, I had a professor. I don't. I, I know that quote actually yeah. because I had a a professor when I was a graduate student who quoted that to me as a um, as a way of um, of uh, managing classrooms. Really? If you, <laughs> let me read that quote again for listeners. It is better to be feared than loved if you, you cannot be, be both. So as an instructor, it's better to be feared. If you can't wow. be both, it is better to be feared. I was like, well, thank you very much, Professor. No, I'm not sure you took that advice. but I, I did for a minute. 
for a minute. And One of the problems with being feared, particularly when you're in areas where you can't actually follow through on any of that, yeah. where you can't actually do anything to anybody in particular, yeah. is that you have to be really good at doing all the things yourself that you're disciplining everybody else on. Oh. Like you have to keep that line if yeah. you're going to if you're going to maintain that in an area where you can't actually like beat people or something, right? Where you can't actually get them to to um uh be fearful in other ways. You just have to be a disciplinarian and I just wasn't a very good authoritarian because I myself was sometimes late. Yeah, you well, and you know, you do question authority. So then you're I don't have any problem. Like... I I get really irritated when they don't question authority. Like I'm like that's, that's not a problem for you. This is okay. And they go, "Sure." And I'm like, "Wow. I wouldn't have I would have never accepted that as a student." So, anyway. All right. Okay. No, I was never All right. that. I don't let me see your cards. Oh, well, okay. Here we go. I don't want to cheat. Wrote 41 beautifully crafted dialogues featuring his mentor and teacher. <gasps> Plato. 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 Plato is Plato. this boy. Plato. Yes. Plato, you you have really helped me in the years we've been doing the show understand that Plato took Socrates' ideas, his mentor, and put them in writing. But before that, they really weren't. Right. They really weren't what in, in writing. writing. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. So Plato kind of like. Yeah. Although, although he also – we should also remember that he took a lot of his own ideas and put them in writing and just shoved them in Socrates' mouth. Oh. So there's a lot of that What too. does the paragraph say? Let's see if you think it's accurate. What does it say? Believe that humans are capable of great things when we use reason and appalling things when we don't. Sure. Argued against democracy on the basis that most people don't think hard enough to deserve the vote. Oh, true. Yeah. That is still true. That's what he thought. Of course, yeah. he was an aristocrat, so we know where he got that idea. <laughs> the first and best victory is to conquer oneself. I don't know if that's the first. Uh, yeah, mm. That's hard. That's hard. Well, so. okay. I did pretty good on that one. You just, you yeah, just knocked it right out. It you was know too what? Easy. That's because of you, though. You were buddy. primed. That's because of your, that's yeah, of your mentorship. Okay. All right. Ready? Um, let's see. Quote, God is dead and we have killed him. Oh, is it Friedrich Nietzsche? Yes. We sure did. Zarathustra yes. said that. What? Well, he he what? spake that. What nationality is he? Uh, Nietzsche? Yeah. Uh, Nietzsche is Austrian. German. Oh, he's not. He, oh, he's His discipline German. is philosophy. I knew he was philosophy. Major works include... Oh, gosh. There are so many. Thus uh, spake Zarathustra, begot beyond good and evil. Okay. Um, Thus, Yeah, you're right. Thus, the birth of tragedy. Birth of tragedy. On the genealogy of morals. Genealogy of Keywords, morals. Keywords, Ubermensch, slave morality, master morality, eternal recurrence, and amor fati. What's amor fati? So I kind of started um, talking here without thinking. Amor fati is the love of fate. It's the idea uh, that whatever has happened or whatever will happen, whatever's happening right now, we should just embrace it. We shouldn't constantly be struggling against things. Of course, this is closely related to another um, idea, and that's what I kind of went off on here. So I'm just going to delete all that, and, um, you know, we'll keep moving on. Let's hear it for editing, huh? It's for everyone.
spent much of his life alone writing his strange, seductive books full of aphorisms. <laughs> strange, seductive <laughs> books. Good Lord. Full of aphorisms. Yes. You're like, I better go back to. I better go back to his writing then. Uh, I always think I should he, go back to his writing. He focused on how self-serving and hypocritical. A lot of, mor- of morality is and had a particular hatred of Christianity and socialism, mm-hmm. both of which he saw as stemming from the disguised envy of the successful by the poor and the weak. Wow. Whoa, that's – I can see why strange and seductive. Ooh. Yeah. Nietzsche, he sounds like he'd yep. be a lot of fun at parties. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not- be like, hey, what are you working on? Strange and seductive yeah, aphorisms, sure. or he'd no, he'd go to the party and he'd just start spouting. That's right. The strange, and he, you yeah, know, God yeah. is dead, and we have killed him. He'd, he'd go right. around saying, "Well, like he'd, that. he'd carry a lantern into a well lit room and <laughs> and start screaming that." <laughs> All right, okay. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, so. One of the best modernist writers. Okay. I think so from my study of humanities okay. as well. All right. So it narrows it down to, A know, member of the famous Bloomsbury group. Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf. Virginia you see, Wolf. You see, it's not fair because you didn't even feel compelled to guess about any of the other members of the Bloomsbury group. Well, it's funny you should mention that. Mm. Because when I was in England in the spring, when I was in New York, they actually had in the art museum a very detailed exhibit about the Bloomsbury group. And including her husband Leonard and her sister Vanessa and their home. And it turns out there were lots of free love going on in that group. Lots of like daring Mm -hmm. thinkers. Mm -hmm. Lots of like... Out there, I mean, you know, they had money, which allowed them to be artists, you know, hosting these salons. I mean, the Bloomsbury Group was pretty rad, pretty rad in every sense of the word. Absolutely. And she, unfortunately, her mental health um, really kept, kept her from living to long age. I will say, though, when I was in grad school working my master's, I'll never forget reading her essay, Room of One's Own. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just, like, mm-hmm. blew my mind. Sure. Like, it, made you into, it made you into a, an individual. Oh, well, it's just like she said <laughs> things like uh, – she has a famous quote in the essay about um, how many poems and other literature written by anonymous was a woman. Mm, right. Who and she talks about how or, or burned as a witch. Right. Like that women seeking expression and voice were, you know, uh, what happened to Shakespeare's sister. Right. She's got all these. Fam- anyway, just such a, an amazing writer and thinker. And yeah. So mm. mm-hmm. anyway, really, good. really interesting group of artists. Well, I think that one of the value, valuable pieces of this for us um you know, to have on the show might be that some people might want to look up some of these thinkers and, and, you know, you can read some of their stuff. You can listen to some of their stuff. You know, there are a lot of people reading it out there, like on YouTube and stuff like that. You can uh, watch a little video that gives and, you know, maybe maybe just looking at how some famous person, some writer conducted themselves or maybe even sitting down and absorbing some of their work could be, I mean, 
Right. The school, Watching. the school of life thinks it's life changing, but we also, I think, think that these people are life changing writers. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Virginia Woolf, I can recommend her essay, Room of One's Own. I also recommend her books, Mrs. Dalway mm-hmm. yeah. or To the Lighthouse. Yeah, both of those are just amazing. Yeah, now they're, they're early modernism. So yeah. for those of you listening, if you're not familiar with that, the writing is going to, there's going to be a kind of stream of consciousness approach to it. There's a lot of doubling. And so. <laughs> so what you he says because he just read someone's master's uh, thesis oh on it. No, um, he uh, so you just gotta like like read it and give yourself over to the flow and the sound and the feel. Style. Okay, the style. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, so you oh, ready God, for somebody else? Right. Okay. I doubt it. But we'll see. Okay. There's some really interesting. Looks like so far, if you don't know it on the first sentence, you don't know it. Okay. Quote, I may not be better than other people, but at least I'm I'm different. <laughs> Brian Brian Barnes? <laughs> no, he's Swiss. He his keywords are the state of nature, the social contract, a more pro propra, a more dis more amours. More amours. A more propra, a more de soi. Yeah. Who so is that? Are you talking about Thomas Hobbes? No. Are you talking about Rousseau? Swiss. Yes. Rousseau. I am talking about Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Yeah, because I didn't think Hobbes was Swiss, but I was willing to go for it. I thought Jean – all these years I thought Jean-Jacques Rousseau was French. Swiss. Well, yeah, I guess I didn't know that either. But, um, you yeah. know, I was running out of – I was running out of, um, running <laughs> out of social <laughs> contract theorists. Okay. So. <laughs> so he's a philosophy is his discipline. Major he's works. a philosopher. Philosopher. Yeah. What did I – okay. Yeah, yeah. A major philosopher. Philosopher. Uh, major works include the social uh, contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Not to be confused with the movie called The Social Network about Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Two very different things. It's really easy to get those confused. Yeah. Yeah, Rousseau, Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So why was Rousseau important? The social contract. Well, the the social contract is a theoretical – you know, it's a thought experiment about how we decided – human beings, how we decided to – Begin society and under what terms? Okay. Like, like, what do you – in order to be in society, what does that really mean for you politically? What are your expectations? What are mm. your responsibilities? Mm. So Rousseau is one of the early writers in that regard um, and he – you know, he – Writes about it in the context of the French Re- French Revolution, I th- oh, think. Yeah, seventeen twelve to seventeen seventy eight. Yeah, and he's um, he's trying to talk about. Um, oh yeah, nice flowers. Mm-hmm. Trying to talk about uh, human nature and how human beings are and how that influences how society should be. So that's what all of the social contract thinkers are doing. So that's really interesting. Okay, he's this paragraph or a sentence or two says his own life was full of scandalous affairs and intellectual rivalry. But he, who who was his rivals? Intellectual rivals. Um, at the time, I can't yeah. say. I'm okay, not, I'm not but he wanted to avoid these social dramas and wrote about corruptive influence of society and people's morals. He argued that people should resist pride and vanity and return to their better natural instincts. Hmm. I always think of Rousseau when I think of education. Like I think of... Do you? Yeah. 
Does he have some education theory? I don't know. I think I might be confusing him with someone else. I don't know. Okay. All right. Your turn. Oh, yes. Yes. Allow me. Please. Allow me. She withdrew into her comfortable upper-class home and eventually never went outside again. (laughs) Uh, is it either Edith Wharton or Charlotte Perkins? Oh, no, no, no. You're talking about Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. I thought you were quoting from a novel when you said that. Okay, no, Emily Dickinson. (laughs) I am so glad you chose her because guess what? Actually, fate chose her. Well, fate chose her because I have read two very, at least two, maybe more, but two that I can, powerful, powerful biographies about her. Really? There's one of them called – okay, well, let's first talk about her, and then I'll talk about some of the theories about her life. But so what do you know about her? She uh, – She is a poet. Yes. She was wealthy. Came from a wealthy family, uh, yeah. Yeah, well-to-do family. She was reclusive. Yeah. Yes. She liked, uh, she liked writing on the death metaphor. Yes. She yeah. – uh, her poems are inscrutable. Well, I don't think they're <laughs> okay. So she's considered um, one of the most significant literary figures in American history, Absolutely. but also considered, if not the best, one of the best female poets. Um, really? Uh, yes, but many. Well, or you know, they'll say like they'll say. 19th century or, you know, poet. Like, they'll say one of the best of her era or the best. Okay. So here's some interesting things about her. So people may know that she was reclusive in the sense that she decided when she was a young adult in her 20s that she was going to not leave the house. And so there's been, you know, speculation as to what was going on. So I read a biography back in 2000. Uh, 12 called Lives Like Loaded Guns, hmm. and um, which I think is an allusion to something uh, Emily Dickinson wrote. But this person theorized that she had epilepsy, and they theorized that part of her retreat, and they, you know, of course, looked at pharmacy records and things, and it wasn't really known how to treat it very well at that time, and so that she retreated because of this epilepsy. Anyway, so this book sort of takes that stance and sort hmm. of takes a deep dive. Then I read uh, – so the other thing to know about her is so she was able to be a recluse because her sister Lavinia basically ran the household while she was upstairs. Right. Right? Writing poems. Right. Right, And um, her father and brother were very prominent uh, figures, education political figures in the Amherst community in the Victorian times. And next door – they had a beautiful Victorian home in Amherst and just next door was – her brother, his name starts with a T. No, uh, Austin. Her brother Austin lived next door with his wife Susan. And Susan and Emily were very close. And some people say, based on their writing, that they had a, a lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. So there's so there's lots of, again, theories about her life and what was really going on. And um, Austin had a multi-year affair with the socialite in Amherst. And so there's a whole book about... But that socialite ended up being the one who who took Emily's poems after she, she died and basically made her famous. Like, if it wasn't for Mabel, we would maybe not even have heard of Emily Dickinson. Mm. She didn't. She didn't really publish. She published a little bit, but Mabel, who was very connected as a socialite, is the one who kind of 
and then spoke. Anyway, it's a very, I mean, there's so many layers and complexities to Emily Dickinson's life and, and her family's life and all. It's just, hmm. it's so fascinating. But she herself was absolutely incredible thinker. Like, hmm. she refused from a very early age all the conventions for women of her time. And just that alone became kind of a. She's just yeah. I was thinking about her. I was okay. So people are interested in reading. You know, pick up a a book, any book, Emily Dickinson book. The thing about knowing about her poems is her style. Again, at the time was very um, revolutionary. The use of the dashes, the not capitalizing, the not worrying about rhyming in the conventional way. I was just thinking about her quote the other day. My friends are my estate. She has a poem where she writes about her friends. It's just, I don't know. She's just a really, really incredible thinker. Hmm. Cool. Check her out. Anyway. Okay. All right. What you got? All right. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Quote, the length of a film should be directly related to the endurance of the human bladder. So, I'm not sure uh, <laughs> I can get it off one quote. Okay, next one. He's English, uh-huh. so he's in the film industry. Okay. Okay. 1899 to 1980. Um, mm. Keywords, MacGuffin, voyeur, shot. That should give you... Mm. No? Uh, my film history is weak. Okay. Well, enormously prolific. He was known as the master of suspense of more than... F- oh, is it Hitchcock? Yeah. Uh, the master of suspense. Yes. Okay. So Hitchcock, right. He, the voyeur shot, like the use of the camera uh-huh. as a, as a, um, like, you know, being a voyeur, I was going to say eavesdropping, but, you know, like spying, yeah. you know, yeah. visually... Uh, MacGuffin, you know, the hidden clue. Mm-mm. Uh, MacGuffin. I don't like know MacGuffin. You keep clue. saying that word. I don't okay. Know it's like it's the hidden, hidden clue. clue. Is that Sometimes what a similar phrase that you hear now, people you call it an Easter egg. Okay. You know, that kind of thing. Okay, okay. So what is a Hitchcock film that you remember seeing or that you liked? Oh, you know, my father always liked... Um, Rear window. Oh, that's such a great. That's one of the first ones I've I saw. Yeah, so we saw that, and then um, when I was in college, uh, I took a film class, and yeah. there was a lot of Hitchcock. Yeah. In the film class, um, you know, I like. I mean, I like a lot of Hitchcock. I think a lot of it's really interesting. I don't. I can't say that I'm, you know, a huge fan or anything. Like, I don't. I don't go and seek it out very often, but. Um, you know, there's a lot. I mean, he did a lot of things first. Like he did a lot. You know, he was very innovative, and that's interesting to me when you kind of look at the way the films are put together, and again, the kinds of shots that he has and stuff like that. Right. So. Super. Yeah. Super innovative. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the movie Rope? The Hitchcock movie Rope. Don't think I saw that one. It's one of my favorites, and it's one of the things notable about it is it takes place in real time. Oh, okay. So as you're watching the film, those 90 minutes, there's actually taking place in this one apartment. Okay. And, of course, there's a, a murder, and it's, it's oh, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my yeah? favorites. Oh, yeah. Cool. No. So do love a good Hitchcock 
Yeah. All right. Good thinker. All right. Did a lot of cool I know stuff. There's a, there's, there's occasionally is like a film festival in town or something, right? Like a um, Well, I know like the Louisville Palace um, yeah, will sometimes right. show. Yeah. That's right. That's in fact, right. the last time I saw – no, I was going to say the last time I saw one on the screen, but no, I saw um, a revival of uh, The Birds. Uh, yeah. Which is another oof, another good one. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Is it time? Okay. Let's see here. Yeah. All right. These they're too easy. They make them too easy. Yeah, don't make it too easy. I can't help it. I just read the thing, and it's too easy. Um, should I ask you? Always sickly and never employed. Oh, let me guess. Franz Kafka. <laughs> no. Um, always no. sickly, never employed. He nevertheless. H.P. Lovecraft. He nevertheless. That's another good one. It is. What? He, he nevertheless invented the philosophical novel. Oh. A seven-volume exploration of how we can stop wasting and start appreciating our lives. Sickly, never employed, seven volumes. First drawn to social status and love as sources of true meaning, but ultimately Rilke? settles on art Not as Rilke. the only salvation. Rilke? No. No, 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 no. Art as the only. Give me another. Who, what, what, uh, what country or what, what dynasty? France. Not Camus. No, no, but, but one taste will take you there. One taste will take you there. A taste of? The Madeleine and it takes us right back. <laughs> I don't know. No? No. In I... search of uh, lost time. No, I don't know who this is. Marcel Proust. Oh, Proust. Oh, my God. I never had to read Proust. Very insightful. I mean, definitely. Really? Proust? Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of. Like about the human condition? Self-reflective technique. If you care about that, that's what he really goes into with his memory excavation. You know, in search of lost time, it takes a minute. What can we wow. say? I think my guesses were pretty good, though. Oh, yeah. I was kind of hoping yeah, it was thought, Kafka. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, good guesses. All right. I'm going to give you one here. Give me, give me one. Are you ready? I, um, I okay. It. Quote, if you are squeamish, don't prod the beach rubble. The beach rubble. You're squeamish. Don't, yeah. Don't. Beach. Who would have beach rubble? Yeah. Yeah. Greek. This person is Greek. You're squeamish. Don't prod the beach rubble. Yeah. Is it Diogenes? Now, he wouldn't no. give anybody any warnings. Uh, he just trip over the rubble. Keywords. Lyric poetry. I mean, not certainly not a homer. Sapphism. Oh. Okay, so um, yeah, so that's that's her name, Sappho. Yeah, yes. Yeah, major. No, I don't know any. I don't know any. Him to, so they just had you studying all these years, mostly men. Well, the problem with Sappho is, I guess my, it's as literature I versus it, philosophy. Well, I mean, there was some some Sappho certainly popped up in uh, the ancient Greek context, yeah. but the problem with Sappho is that much of that stuff. I mean, there there aren't a lot of complete works or anything, so there's not a lot to study. Well, okay, major works here. It says, Hymn to Aphrodite in Fragments. Yeah, exactly. You fragments. Have, you have one right. 
long one, work, and then Hymn to Aphrodite, and then fragments of dozens of other works. But again, it's sort of like when you're studying fra- because that political community of Lesbos was considered to was a lot of people in like on the Peloponnesian Peninsula were quite hostile to it politically. And so her stuff was not preserved. Oh, that's interesting. This says that's also, very she was interesting. just a woman. It says, yeah. Just a woman. Just at that time For they the were time, like, ah. you know, like, well, come on. Regarded as one of the greatest lyric poets in antiquity, she often wrote erotic poems about love, mostly directed at other women. So the fragments indicate. These survive only in fragments. <laughs> <laughs> As Dr. Brian Barnes just Look, said. Look, I've read some fragments Her life is, all I'm is similarly mysterious. We don't know why she was exiled from her home island of Lesbos, for example. She is a tool for sparking open-ended curiosity about women, desire, and the lost masterpieces of antiquity. Those are things you really like. Women, desire, <laughs> and the lost masterpieces of antiquity. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with any of that. Um, the thing is, though, I think my, my understanding about her situation was that she was also a political leader. And so her – like uh, Lesbos is supposed to be quite um, free-thinking and cosmopolitan. And so my understanding yeah. was that, that she was not celebrated outside of that island community while she was alive because of the political injuries. Very interesting. That's an island in Greece, right? Off the coast of Greece. Off the coast of Greece, I meant. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Well, so Hymn to Aphrodite, anyone who's interested, would you recommend that? I mean, read away. I don't know if you read anything you want. I think that that sapphic poetry, as I understand it, is a little bit – Difficult to really dig without context. Oh, okay. Well, but you know, go get mm, it. Go okay. Get it. I've right. got an American who lived in a cabin he built himself. Oh, Thoreau. Thoreau also engaged in civil disobedience. Thoreau. Yep. He was original American thinker for sure. Transcend American. Of course, he as some pe- women. Feminist theorists like to point out he was able to kind of do that because uh, he had women who were taking care of <laughs> right, other practical of needs. Stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. So often when we see the um, the great ideas of history, they're often they often come on the back of some free labor by somebody else. Yes, so exactly. Somebody, so that somebody can go build their cabin by hand by the pond somewhere. And exactly. Try to have a someone rustic. else is cooking for me, I so I can nice. do this. Oh hell yeah! Okay, so let's look at this quote from Thoreau. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. Oh, oh, that is, mmm. I remember. Ah. I remember an anecdote about Thoreau. We can do things in a really quick way, but it leads to an impoverished life because most of those things that we need to get done in the modern world are really trivial and meaningless. And so it would take him a long time to get ready to go to this kind of thing, but the things that he would be giving up for that time would be very consequential to his life. And so even though there's you know much fewer of them and it seems like it wouldn't be a big deal to walk mm-hmm. away from these things, this is the real meaning. And so it's not worth it to come to this conference and to wow. miss all these things. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. An anecdote about slowing down. Yeah. Justin yeah. Mogg. Hello, Justin. our friend. When you said that, I thought of our friend Justin Mogg. Sure. Who's yeah. kind of like a throw, a 
21st century. <laughs> Thoreauian. Thoreauian. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, if people are interested in reading the book Walden, Civil Disobedience, and it's about, yeah, lived next to Walden Pond in a cabin he built by himself for two years. Wrote a book about how it helped him achieve self-reliance and inner peace. Dude, that sounds really cool. Except that you're, you're dismissive of him because it wasn't really self-reliance. Oh, yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of Whitman. Now, I think one you're also them, thinking of Walden. One of them had a sister who, like, brought him meals or yeah. something. And I'm just like, yeah, self-reliance. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you don't uh-huh. see you – know, when you read when you read on Walden Pond, you don't, <laughs> you don't get a lot about him eating the grass or collecting bugs <laughs> or fishing – for your meal, right? Where does he think you're preparing? I'm gonna look it up right now. Like what? Like what is we're talking? I'm so curious. What are you, what are right. you looking up? I'm looking up if I was right about this about his sister. Oh, I'm pretty uh, sure that someone was bringing him meals. Okay, all right. Well, you look through the cards. Let's see. Um, this is our station identification <laughs> moment. I would like to say that you're listening to 106.5 FM, WFMP, Louisville, Kentucky. You can find us at forwardradio.org. This is critical thinking for everyone, but there is a ton of fine shows at forwardradio.org. And at forwardradio.org, you can also learn how to pitch your own show, and you can pledge financial support for our shows, and you can get the schedule, and you can find out when our board meetings are. You can come out, and you can be um, you know part of the team at Forward Radio. We need all voices. Um, all points of view, none are too trivial. Hmm. And so we would love to love to have you join us at uh, Forward Radio. Well, um, I'm actually not verifying that that was the search. case. That might have been Whitman or someone else I was thinking of. But I will say that his sister, Sophia, um, actually similar to Emily Dickinson, Another family member actually was responsible for getting his works out, you know, like sort of an editor and getting mm-hmm. his works out into and then you have, and then posthum- you have, posthumously. Yeah, then you have people like Friedrich Nietzsche, whose sister was a Nazi sympathizer and re-edited his final works to make them more directly in line with the ideology of the right really? and put it out there so that a lot of people thought – that there was a direct connection between Nietzsche and, but someone figured it out. Somebody someone figured, figured out, it out that that was his sister and her husband's influence on the writing after Nietzsche's death mm. that made it that made it seem to justify. Although master and slave morality is a real thing, and for Nietzsche, but it's just another example of you know family getting the work out there. Maybe in this case, not in the best way. Interesting. Okay, family members can you know, well. take your work after you're gone and like oh, Okay, ready? Yeah. Quote, one thing I had learned from watching chimpanzees with their infants is that having a child should be fun. Oh man, that must be Jane Goodall. Yes, it is. Good on ya. Got good all. Yeah, good all on ya. Yeah, good all on ya. She's English, <laughs> discipline anthropology. The only okay. What do you know about Jane? What do you know that makes her so? I know that Jane. um, By the way, she's still alive. Nineteen thirty-four to present. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize that. I know that she's a real advocate for, um, you know, a lot of animals other than humans, particularly these chimpanzees having 
you know, being considered as having um, kind of value that's not derived from human value. So value in the value mm. in itself. She's a big advocate for all conservation efforts, um, wild creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mostly what I know about her. The only human being ever to be accepted into chimpanzees. Yeah, society. yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't she know learned that. what few had suspected previously. The chimpanzees used tools. They could be gentle, just as gentle, but they could be as brutal as their human cousins. And so if anyone's interested, her major work is called In the Shadow of Man. Mm. She has written subsequent books. I know that. She's okay. got many books out. What? A, she's still alive. Yeah. Human being. Well, I mean, she definitely is inspiring. Okay. All right. You got it. You, you ready for another one? Yeah. You think you can mm-hmm. do another one? I think I can. All right. We'll see what you do here with this background. Although he only painted a few dozen paintings, mostly of daily middle class life, his work is famous for its beautiful use of lighting and because it draws our attention to the value of ordinary life, especially laundry. Milk and the soft northern winter light. De, not Degas. Nope. Uh, Millet. Nope. Milk. He found a life's work in the corner of a room. Oh, wait a minute. Not Van Gogh. No, but you're closer. Oh, um... What what um, what nationality? He's Dutch. Oh, so not Van Gogh. Oh, I know Vermeer. 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 Yes. Vermeer. Vermeer. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful paintings. Good job. Good job digging yeah, through your paintings. Yeah, I was like, we said that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you go to the Van Gogh at the um, the Van Gogh exhibit on the walls and? The one that was where they projected the traveling. At the speed? No, no. This one was at the convention center because they project it onto walls, Van Gogh. Oh, okay. oh my God. It was gorgeous. Uh-uh. It was really beautiful. No, very moving. Very moving. Hmm. Okay. Whoa. I've never even heard of that person. Oh, no. um, okay. How about. All right. We'll try it. How about, quote, I do. Well, no. I'd skip that person. Okay. There's another person. I do not wish women to have power over men, but over themselves. Hmm. It's got to be Simone de Beauvoir. No, it does not got to be. Does not got to be? Before her. I think she'd want that. Before her. She would, but she was before Simone. Well before Simone. So there's another she? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well well before. Um, Although, I'll give you a little hint. Okay. Her spouse also had similar views and published on them. Oh. Is it? I mean, we, we couldn't go as early as... Mary Wollstonecraft. Yes, it oh is. Mary Wollstonecraft. First wave feminism. And she was married. Don't tell me his name is, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. I'm not going to tell you because you asked me not to. Oh no, tell me now. No, I don't remember. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> he's a philosopher. Yeah, it's, a, it's like his name begins with a G or something. Oh, Godwin. Godwin. Ah, yeah, Godwin. Godwin. William Godwin. Yeah. Thank you. See, Thank we you figured definitely. it out together. Okay, so why is she? Why was she so Mary Wollstonecraft? Why oh, she well, she was the first person. She was the first woman to publish a, um, a essentially a response to male criticisms of women in society, and her response was that um, 
you know, essentially her call was that women should be educated. You know, that all of the the criticisms that male society was leveling against mm-hmm. women had to do with the fact that women weren't given the opportunity to gain the same intellectual skills as men. I mean, herself excluded, but I mean, that was a private education. So um, she was saying, you know, women should be educated the same way as men. Yes, and her famous work is called? Uh, uh, it's a... Vindication, Vindication of the, the Rights, rights of, of Women. women. That's, That's right. right. I remember reading that in my feminist theory classes in, in undergraduate. Yep. Uh, she escaped an oppressive and abusive household to seek her own education and eventually became a writer and philosopher. Her unwed motherhood and radical politics were considered shocking because remember, folks, this was 1759 to 1797. Yeah. Yet yeah. Yeah. she defended women's abilities and argued that their success was crucial to the formation of a good society. William Godwin had, you know, they were sort of like-minded. And right. they had two kids. And one of them is famous, became famous. Do you remember? Mm-mm. Mary Shelley. Oh, okay. Okay, so I want to just point something out about Mary Wollstonecraft and Mary Shelley. Okay, so her daughter... Mary Wollstonecraft before she married per- the poet Percy yeah. Shelley, yeah. right? So there was Mary and then Mary Jr. 1759 to 1797. Do you know how Mary Wollstonecraft, her Mary Shelley's mother, died? Uh-uh. Another person I read a biography, uh, Mary Shelley's biography, is really sad. So she gave birth. Prepare yourself. She gave she's married to William Godwin. They were living a really nice life, both making good money on their writing and their. People, they're well, well known. And so she gives birth to her daughter, Mary. The surgeon does not wash his hands. She dies a long and painful death. Like within a week, she's dead after giving birth. Wow. Yes, because, of course, it's the 18th century and, you know, really just tragic. And so Mary Shelley, who has a stepsister, from William Godwin's first wife, if I remember that right. Or maybe her her sister was Mary Wollstonecraft's child from that relationship. Anyway, um, so William Godwin gives Mary Shelley her, you know, educates her. So by the time she's like 14 to 15, she's super smart. And Percy Shelley comes to and uh, comes to William Godwin's house to learn from him, right? He's semi, he's well off, some, starting to get known as a poet, comes, meets Mary. They fa- have start having an affair. She elopes with him, mm. takes her stepsister with her. Mm. I'm trying to remember stepsister's name. She cha- Claire takes her stepsister with her. Anyway, so then Percy, they meet up with Lord Byron. Anyway, so that's, remember how Frankenstein came to be from that? Sure. Right? So she was like 19. Yeah. 19 when she published Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Like, just like her life is so full of, I read this biography in like two days. It's so full of like triumphs and incredible heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Incredible heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Starting with losing her mother, right, as, you know, when she was an infant. So, so just fascinating, fascinating, fascinating stuff. More so people to take a look at. Yeah, if you're out there keeping score. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm I, I'm sorry. Am I going down too many rabbit holes? No, no. This is what we're doing. We're spreading we're the intellectual down. wealth, we're showing you know? off our nerdum. Well, I think that one of the issues, of course, with critical thinking is that we have to have content. 
you know, and we have to be able to draw upon information to think about. And so broad context and education in some of these areas can only help us with the thinking. And so we're just encouraging people to broaden their base, right, just to learn a little bit more about and yeah, different about thinkers, different culture. Yeah, and and, yeah. and different thinkers that all these new schools of thought were all brought into our world by people. No, that's right. right? Yeah, you know, it sure. wasn't like there wasn't, you know, tablets that somebody discovered. There may have still been tablets. <laughs> there I'm might have saying, been you know. but they're like Paper. Yeah. Spe- well, <laughs> tablets, special glasses. I don't know. I hear all, I hear all manner of things. So, but yeah, but people are behind all of these ideas that have shaped our world. Okay. Wow. There's a couple of people I haven't, I have not heard from. Okay. All right. Here's another. Good, we have time for. Yeah. Good uh, one. Okay. Good ready? One, right. yeah. Ready? Yep. Freedom is what you do when what's been done to you. What? Wait. Let me read that again. Freedom is what you do with. What's been done to you? Huh, okay. No, I'll need, I'll need more. Okay. He's French. It's okay. a he. Philosopher. I mean, it, it sounds like something Sartre would say. Yes. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Sartre. 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 So what is it? Why would you roll your eyes? What is it about him that you don't care for? Oh, man. I mean, I care a great <laughs> deal about him. He, he – um, he he would write in ways that I think was unnecessarily stilted in an effort to get at details, like to, to make sure that we were understanding things very precisely, which mm-hmm. is um, as much as he was trying to break away from kind of enlightenment philosophy, that's a technique that comes out of enlightenment philosophy. And so it's a little pretentious in the 1940s kind of in 1950s and then when you get into the 1960s it's just like my god you know this is all of this this type of writing is just it it obscures as much as it reveals and so huh and obscures and it's as much always as it focused on personal freedom and personal accountability He's an existentialist, right? He's the founder of the existentialist. And so we've talked about that for those who aren't familiar. If I can try to paraphrase existentialism and that school of thought is about questioning the what, how we are here. Sure. Right? Meaning? Meaning of life? Yeah. Human condition? It also directly challenges all of the preceding ideologies. Wow. Just that. Just yeah. that. Well, I mean, they, they have a, a radical um, – Sartre comes up with a radical uh, assumption about that, which is that um, all other thinking, all other ideologies for him prior to existentialism have had one basic assumption at their foundation, which is that essence – your and my essence, the part of us that makes us really us, right. exists before we're born. What? Oh, oh, you're saying that's what he says about yeah, prior thinkers. Everything. Like Plato like there's, yeah, like there's, there's absolute and... goodness that we somehow come from. There's God yeah. that we somehow come from. There are all these, mm-hmm. there are all these ideas that we come – that the part of us that's really real is somehow out there. Yeah. Before we exist. Interesting. Okay. And so what he says is we exist first and then we make ourselves. So we don't so he wants us to abandon all of this baggage about tradition and the kind of person that I am and my 
you know, my nature. My nature. Okay. So, wow. Okay. (coughs) Excuse me. So when he says freedom is what you do with what's been done to you, that's what he's basically saying is you are, you have been created by your circumstances, right? Well, there's a thing that is done to us. The things that are done to us are called our facticity. That's when we see, see, it's all all, all special vocabulary, but (laughs) our facticity is what we're born into. So who my parents are, what nationality, what my first language, my first religion, where I go to school, my socioeconomic status when I'm a kid, all these things are very shaping and they end up producing us who eventually become conscious and able to do things with our freedom, right? But we have to start with those that basic lump of, you know, data In- about ourselves. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then we and then we're free to do whatever we want after that. Wow, 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 Sartre, Sartre. So when was the peak Sartre time period? Like what? What? Well, so? he really. I mean, he in the late 1940s he writes. Um, or mid-1940s, he writes Being in Nothingness. And um, he also – he was a correspondent during World War II for underground newspapers and um, underground mm. um, sort of networks to help the resistance in France. And so he he made quite a name for himself there also as a, um, as a journalist and as a, a memoirist, I guess. Interesting. Okay, because um, I'm thinking about modernism and sort of the rise of modernism, which sort of again tried to – you know, explode all prior ideas about like. Oh yeah, well he's definitely and, a modernist. Yeah. So that, yeah, so that definitely dude. follows along. Yeah. Wow, what do you think of the thinking? I think game? we had a lot of fun with the thinking game. We hope you had a lot of fun with the thinking game. We hope you did. Yeah, we thank hope you. you. Yeah, I think sometimes I had to tolerate some of our rabbit hole intellectual Thank you for joining holes. us, and thank you, Patty, for bringing the thinking game in. And we hope that – yeah, I think so too. And we hope that as you go about your week, you will be inspired to dig into some deep thinkers and maybe use that as, um, you know, a good launching pad for your own thinking. Enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's for everyone. Even you. just want to thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for listening to Forward Radio. And thanks for supporting us in Give for Good and that campaign. We sure do appreciate uh, everyone's love and care for the radio station and for uh, our fantastic programming. Remember, you can check it out at forwardradio.org. Get a little more information and maybe make some good decisions about how you want to engage with the radio station. You know, we still take... Donations. You can still do that anytime, forwardradio.org, and hit that donate button. We can use your help all the time. About 20 bucks a day helps keep the lights on. So thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week. Have great thinking. As we all know, friends, great thinking is for everyone. (laughs) 